Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can find us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie following the May 3rd, 2020 sermon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Faith Church podcast. I am Jay, one of your hosts. Joining me is Robbie. Hello, everybody. And this is our Tuesday podcast. I don't know if we should refer to it as the days of the week, because what if we ever change the days of the week? Also, as you've pointed out in the past, it is highly unlikely that someone is actually listening to this on a Tuesday as well. So maybe if they're listening to it on a Thursday, is it confusing? Right. Well, that's true. What, what I had actually said was it's unlikely that anyone is listening to this, period. That Oh, I misunderstood. Also, the Tuesday thing. So whatever, this is the, this is the podcast. This is the episode where Robbie and I talk about uh, theological issues, things that come up during the sermon. It was all born out of the idea that when we are listening to each other's sermons, we, we often have a lot of questions and, uh, and have a conversation. And so on Tuesday morning, Robbie and I would often come in the office and start having offshoots and conversations. And Christoph said, Hey, we should record this. Um, and so that's what we're doing and we're hoping that it's helpful. Hopefully it's beneficial. It's a good opportunity when, uh, people may or may not understand that when we're done preaching, oftentimes we are immediately struck with the wish that we had said something differently or better or expanded on a certain idea more. And so this also provides an opportunity for us to do that. Right. And by that, Robbie means that when he's listening to me preach, he's often struck by things that he wished I had said better or differently or not at all. That is not entirely true. It's mostly true. Um, so, you know, hey, so how was your weekend, by the way? I feel like we need to have some of that because we actually have weekends right now. This is such a strange rhythm for us. It in is. Ministry. It really is. I, I had a great weekend. It was so beautiful outside. We basically just tried to be outside as much as yeah. possible. So got some, got a lot of work done, got a lot of play done and just enjoyed this beautiful Northeast Wisconsin weather, which we're so famous for. Yes. This is like, this is the best time of year in a lot of ways because the mosquitoes haven't quite come out, although they have come out, but not like they will. And not so, in force. No, no, they have not made the full frontal assault yet. No, they're still in the numbers that you can see them and go after each one of them. You know, they've got their little scouts that are going out and testing <laughs> and they don't come back. Um, but they, before the hordes come, but yeah, we did the same thing. I, I will say that I think right that's now. that's how they know, isn't it? Isn't it kind of like the arc? Like when the, when the bird yeah. does not come back, that's when you know, when the mosquitoes stop coming back, they go, aha, the scouts are getting slapped. That means the humans are out and ready and then they all assault. Oh, maybe that's true. You should, you should look into that. That could be a topic for one of our podcasts. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a lot of science, a lot of studies on how mosquito culture yeah. relates to Genesis chapter six. Yeah. I've read studies. That's always my, that's always my out. Like, well, I've seen studies that, <laughs> I now have a child who is old enough to be going and reading his studies. And so now he's starting to say things like, well, I read this study and he'll send me a link to another study. And I'm like, ah, oh, like an actual study. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But, but yeah, well, they're usually ridiculous. Usually like it's usually like a well, Facebook poll. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so something like that. Um, but 
but yeah, so my these weekends have just been strange. I, I will say that uh, Sunday morning was especially brutal. You're just sitting there. It's, people don't realize how weird it is to have to sit there for church watching yourself preach. Um, it's the worst. It really is, and it's amplified by my children respond their response to the sermon because if human beings could be more bored <laughs> i i don't know what that would look like i mean we're talking face cracking yawns and then they apologize so here's the thing they're not even doing it unaware they know <laughs> that they are communicating that this is the last place they want to be and they still can't stop themselves at least they they, they have compassion they they know this is this degree, this high degree of boredom is probably making my dad feel bad. I should say something. Right. And nobody, nobody has to work harder than Lauren. And I love her. She is so gracious right now because she is not, she's not one of those. Um, we've always joked that she's always said that she's not a great pastor's wife. And um, by that, it, we'd go to these conferences or we'd go to, you know, any of these gatherings and, um, we'd often see, you know, pastors, wives who are just overtly very supportive of their husbands and very, you know, excited about them and everything. And Lauren has just never, Lauren, Lauren would always be the one rather than we, we'd, we'd helped with a church one time back in Colorado where the pastor's wife would sit in the front row and nod vigorously and take notes, vigorous notes hmm. through the whole sermon. Like this is all just the greatest stuff she's ever heard. And then when I would preach at that church, Lauren would sit in the back row and shake her head intermittently. Shake usually, her head as in like in disapproval? Yeah, because usually because I would use a story and I uh, might misremember a detail or whatever, or I'd get confused looks or concerned looks. If I would push too hard on something, she would be like, she would be concerned or whatever. But I've just always loved that about my wife. She's incredibly supportive. She just is not, she's not the... Uh, what's what's the word I'd be looking for? She's she's not a yes a yes man um, by any stretch, and she's not a cheerleader type. She's a um, she keeps it real, she's and so in different ways. Yeah, and she yeah, and she obviously wants to be supportive. And so on Sunday mornings, she's sitting there, and she is mindful of every move she makes because she does not want to communicate to me that this is the worst sermon she's ever heard. And so she works hard to do that. Which I, I feel like it. would be unlikely that that would be what she's actually thinking. No, she's heard a lot of bad sermons from me. So it would be, it would be, <laughs> I hear Surely what you're saying, she Robbie. she's heard worse yeah. than that. No, I get what you're saying there. You're right. Yeah, there have been so many bad ones. How, what are the odds that this would be the worst one? Yeah, it's true. Um, so, I don't well, feel like that's is, what I said. This has been but... super encouraging. Which, by the way, one other thing to point, point out about this. I don't know if you're feeling any of this pressure, Robbie, but I realized that this, so this Sunday is Mother's Day. And this yes. will be the first Mother's Day that my wife has ever experienced that where she could actually have a full Mother's Day where, you know, because it's always yeah. like I'm preaching on Mother's Day. And so I still have to go about my business. I can't, I, I can't be doing the breakfast in bed thing. I can't rally the kids or whatever. And we've always worked really hard. Usually the Monday after Mother's Day, we kind of treat as Mother's Day, um, you know, or Sunday after church some combination of that. Uh, but this is like, this is so novel. I told the kids that we were going to have like a real mother's day. And one of my children said, what's that? And I said, well, <laughs> okay, clearly, <laughs> well, clearly I've not been doing well. 
in that camp. But I think they meant on Sunday, the idea of a Sunday Mother's Day. So, right. So, yeah, if you have any ideas, if anybody has any ideas, let me know. I feel safe asking for that right now because Lauren doesn't listen to this. So, that's good. So, text or email your suggestions <laughs> of, of yeah, how, we how we can make quarantine Mother's Day. Do we need to, do. we might we might need to send out like a, a an email to the men of the church with a few suggestions of how that's how we idea. make quarantine Mother's Day some yeah. some manner of special. Yeah. That's a good idea. Because we kind of default to the same things, right? Like favorite restaurant or I'll go and but we can't can't do that. I mean you could still do takeout from favorite restaurant. That's idea number one. We'll put that on the email. There you go. Takeout from favorite restaurant. Uh, all right. So, well, we should probably talk about other things besides our weekends. So, I liked your sermon on Sunday, and I thought you did. I thought you did a great job. I was curious as you were processing the holiness of God, which is kind of a big, kind of a big deal. Um, big deal. What What's something that impacted you? Uh, or or challenged you in your preparations for that? Um, I mean, it just was so, it was it's such a big thing, like you said, to, to talk about the glory of God and this whole idea of hallowed be your name. I think what stuck out to me in the preparation was just the simplicity of the prayer is not God, let me praise your name. The prayer is God, let your name be praised. And those are, those are, they're not, they're not different things, but one is encompassing of the other. Mm -hmm. So it's certainly not less than God, I want to praise your name, but it is, it's much bigger than that. And so I think um, that was kind of a turning point in my sermon prep of, I was starting to go down the road of, okay, well, what does it mean to praise God? But but then asking the different question of what does it mean to desire and ask that God would have his name be praised yeah. among all the people. So in all the things that kind of were attached to that and then, and then wanting and just realizing how God is, how Jesus in teaching us to pray in that way is reorienting our hearts around these big desires. Um, so those, those were a couple of big things. And I think, uh, and, and then just, just the grief that I have over how, how bored we become with the glory of God and how just wrong that is. And I don't mean wrong in the sense of morally wrong, though it is morally wrong. I mean, wrong in the sense of it, just ridiculous. It's just, it's broken. Hmm. It's just that, that simple reality that if I understood and saw God for who he is, I would never cease to praise him. And that's what heaven will be like. I mean, we'll enjoy all of the new creation, but we'll do it in a worshipful way. And so um, the, the illustration I used about the fireworks was just something that um, has, like, I just try to give some kind of barometer because it just grieves me every week when, when I, if I see people who have just become satisfied with their boredom with God. It's just mm. become normal. And I think we realize, I, th I think we're so, well, hopefully on, on guard against overt evil, but we right. don't understand how, how much of a damaging effect 
uh, doubt and distraction play. Right. Right. Well, I think, and, and just that we, that we just become just content and complacent with, it's okay that I, this doesn't stir my heart. It's okay in it. And so I didn't really get to dive too much into it, but I did allude to this idea that I think some people, um, they mistake their, what I was trying to illustrate with saying that the little boy saw the fireworks and was so excited about them was that I was genuinely moved by him. I thought that his awe of the fireworks was cute and was sweet. And that was meaningful to me. And I don't think we always realize how often in a church setting we transfer that. And so we actually confuse, we see someone be passionate about the gospel and we confuse that with us being actually passionate about the gospel. So I see other people moved in worship and that moves me rather than my worship of God moving me. Mm -hmm. And that can be so subtle to not be able to see the difference between those. Um, but it's, but it's a real difference. So I can see that working itself out in, um, in books that I read, um, especially biographies. Mm -hmm. Like I can mm -hmm. get really pumped up on, yes. uh, on somebody else's deep love for Jesus and, and sacrificial life. And, and I can confuse that excitement about what they have done and, and, uh, and being moved by their devotion to Christ. And, and that can kind of be confused as my own actual devotion for Christ. And really, as you said, I'm, I'm acknowledging that their excitement for Christ is valid, but that's not the same thing as me actually being excited about Jesus. Right. And I don't know what the, that's a fine line between those things because we are to be stirred up by one another. The other people's faith should move us. And, and so I don't, I don't want to somehow communicate that that's wrong because that's one of the big reasons why we're called to be together because we are an encouragement to one another. It's just asking that question of, am I, is the object of my awe and wonder right now that person's reaction or is it, is it God? Is it who that person is in awe of? And yeah. I think, um, and I think where where that excitement terminates, right? So I close the right. book and I and I think, mm -hmm. wow, mm -hmm. that Dietrich Bonhoeffer sure was the coolest. He loved yep. Jesus a whole bunch. That's awesome. And then I go about my day, r rather than than looking at that example and kind of capitalizing on that excitement and thinking, well, what what excited me about that and and how do i incorporate that into my life in a tangible way because I, mm -hmm. I believe i could have that same passion and devotion for jesus that bonhoeffer did and so what how do i need to incorporate those lessons those examples that i saw in him into my life in a, in a tangible way so that i can also experience that same sort of devotion and delight that he did in jesus right yeah and so if it does if if being in a worship service and feeling moved in the worship service terminates at the end of that, then that could be a sign that you're, you're actually just, you're just being moved by the experience of it all. Not, not by God, because if you're listening to a sermon, for example, and in the moment you feel really moved, that could be because um, a, a, an illustration that you found meaningful or funny or entertaining was used or you um, or, or, you know, the, the speaker was energetic or, or whatever, but you just felt like, oh, you were, you're kind of carried away with that. But then you leave and you, 
and none of the things, none of God's truth are like instilling in you. You're not, you're not leaving there thinking about that. Then that's, that's a problem. Like the whole thing is, yeah. Right. The question of what is it, what made them so excited about that? Right. I've definitely listened to sermons where I'm like, okay, well that was well communicated, but they were, and they were clearly passionate about that, but I don't really see what they were. I'm not sure that I've ever really thought about that thing. And then I'll go away and think about like, okay, so what was this thing that they were so passionate about? Mm. Um, yeah. And that's, that's been helpful, but I know that Lauren's question. So this is actually ironically a question for you, Robbie, because, oh, even okay. though I was preaching, but Lauren's question right after was how, how sh she was wondering, how did Haley feel about, um, being used in in so much of that illustration Haley was very excited about that for for so everyone knows jay asked ahead of time he did not he did not co-opt a story that was not his own he asked me and and i talked to stacy and Haley and and got all of their permission um and and actually it was in that conversation about when when you asked if you were okay with that jay that we realized that i i I felt like that was actually best coming from you. Like you were just able to communicate that in a way that I think was um, pe people would hear differently coming from you than they would from me. So I, I appreciated that. And um, I, uh, I, I just thought that was a really excellent illustration that was helpful for me in, in thinking through God's glory. And so I appreciated that. Haley loved it. She was like, she was glued to the TV watching that happen. And, and my favorite moment was when you gave the example of if a server came up and were to basically pitch her to come home with them instead of us, Haley's eyes got huge. And she did the slow head turn to look at me and said, I would punch them, <laughs> which, which is just an awesome affirmation. I mean, I don't affirm the, the violent intent, but oh, I, I, I was very excited about the, just the affirmation of of how far she has come in that uh, in early yeah. stages, like that would have been a completely legitimate offer to her, especially if they had candy. Mm -hmm. um, and and now for her to see like that would be horrible. Like I would never want that to happen. So it was it was fun to watch that with her. Yeah, and that was something that came up later when I was thinking the ridiculousness of and, and how what the parallel that is for new believers how um you know I, i'm reminded of paul saying to the galatians like i'm just stunned by how quickly you've abandoned the gospel not that there is another gospel mm. but just this how how is it possible that you're so gripped by god's love but you're so easily and quickly turning to other things um and and just that that parallel and that you do as you grow in your maturity and your understanding of who god is and you grow in your understanding of what it means to be a son or daughter of god that you, it does become more ridiculous. Like you do, you do realize, man, why would I leave? Why would, why would I wander away from, from who God is? It doesn't mean there aren't still those moments, but there's just more of a, um, you just see that maturing, knowing that nothing else can really offer you what God offers you. Um, Certainly. but yeah, I, well, that doesn't mean there aren't moments of doubt though, as no. well. There aren't moments where, where as as secure as as Haley feels in the family, she certainly has moments where where she questions questions that, and her heart um, wonders, you know, well, do I really belong? Do I really fit in? And and it just provides another opportunity for us to affirm that. But 
also gives me a picture of how often my heart has a tendency of doing that towards my father. And that as soon as I get that affirmation of, of, of my heavenly father saying, you, you are mine, you belong to me. Um, I, I can, I can slip into moments of doubt and, and feeling like, yeah, but really, like, do I deserve this? And what if I lose this? And, and, uh, and so there's, there is, there's tension in that. Yeah. You know, and so that kind of leads into uh, a question that we received in the last couple of weeks, uh, but it, it seems to fit well here, is we had a question that was asked about this adoption uh, of us by God and and the difference between that and being created. Um, and so I kind of paraphrasing because I think there were some autocorrect issues in the in the question. And so, um, but basically, it's how is it that we are adopted by God if if He created us? So if we are created by God and He has known us before time, are we really adopted by Him? Um, but how are we adopted by someone who created us? Hmm. Which is which is a great it's a great question. I love the 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 thinking through that. You're what you're doing is trying to think through what is our relationship. This is really a question about what is our relationship with God at the various stages of our lives from the time, you know, that we are in God's mind to the time that we are created to the time that um, we are saved and adopted. Like what, why, how is it that we are adopted if we are created? And Hmm. Robbie, you had some, you kind of geeked out on this question. I did. I do. I tend to geek out on adoption as a general rule. Right. Um, But I think, I think you in, as you were explaining the question, kind of inadvertently answered it in in using the terms creation and and adoption. That we are we are certainly God's creation, um, but being His son or His daughter is is very different from that, right? Because a tree is God's creation, but it's not His son. A robin is His creation, but it's not His daughter. So there is there is a distinction between even even the 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 one element of his creation that bears his image that reflects his image and his character uh however imperfectly um we are still his creation and uh, one of the things that it made me think of was uh a historical fun fact um i i am of the opinion that you do not need to know historical context to understand the essentials of scripture but it sometimes can be very helpful Right, so it can add an additional nuance that I believe the Holy Spirit wrote the word in such a way that I can understand it right now in the way that He needs me to. Um, but sometimes it can it can add an, an extra layer of nuance and understanding. And so one of those things that I think is is fascinating is in in Galatians, Paul references adoption, and and he he kind of gives what to our ears sounds very strange when he when he says like well a child when they're a child is no different from a slave and you think wait what that's because in in roman culture at least my understanding of it not being a historical expert um, but my understanding of it is that your own natural born child was not legally your child until you adopted them so they were not your heir they were not legally a part of your family until you adopted them so your biological children we're not a part of the family until you took that additional step, which I believe, but I'm not positive, was around 12, typically, that that, that, that decision would have to be. You'd have to decide, is this child actually going to be a part of my genealogy? Um, so what Paul is saying, like, 
well, you guys all understand how this works, how you're not actually really your father's son or daughter until he takes that step to actually make that. And, um, and I, and so that I think you can, you can read Galatians and still get enough of an understanding, but with that little nugget, I think provides a little bit of clarity there. Yeah. So in, in so many ways, the adoption is the real thing. The adoption is the right. more real. We don't usually think of it that way. No, we don't. We, we often think of adoption as, well, that's the plan B. If, if the, the real plan doesn't work out, then adoption is the plan B. But biblically, adoption is plan A. Like That is the idea that we are, we are created, so we are God's creation. But then he determines to adopt sons and daughters to share in his inheritance. We are given something greater than we had uh, before as just being a part of creation. And I think where we get confused in this, or sometimes it gets confusing, is we equate being created by God with children, being his children, which, Robbie, you already mentioned that that's, you know, God has, he creates trees, he creates dogs, he creates robins. I thought that was a good illustration because we have people named Robin who are actually his daughters, but that's not the same thing as the bird. It's true. Robin. That's true. Also created by God. Also created by God. But I think it's this this thought that, um, or this understanding that being made in God's image does carry with it some carries value. So there's a general sense in which God loves his creation. And so there are these phrases that we use like, well, we're all children of God. And the Bible actually says like, no, you're, um, you know, John one makes it, you know, pretty, pretty clear that it's uh, whoever believes in him, God become, gives right to be called children of God. And, and who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so there's this sense in which we are created, but then we are born again, born of God um, through Jesus Christ and, and reconciled to him, adopted by him, and given a firstborn inheritance. And so it's just this, it's this amazing thing that is beyond what we are as created. And so all human beings are created in the image of God and therefore have that value, there's a general sense in which God loves all of his creation, but then he has a specific special love hmm. for his adopted sons and daughters um, that he is actually bringing into his family and given, giving this inheritance to. And that's that, that inheritance is, is what truly makes it extraordinary because it's not, it's not just being a part of the family generically, but, but you are given you you become heirs in Christ. You become heirs in uh, uh, like a firstborn son, which is which is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, I would agree. That is incredibly extraordinary. So, I hope I hope that that's helpful. Um, if people are struggling with that idea of how is it that uh, what is it what does God's adoption of us mean, and that, and that continues to be an issue. I remember when I preached through Galatians and. The idea of well, you know, being a slave to sin, but we are sons and daughters, and uh, but but also we're referred to in Scripture as slaves of, of Christ. And Paul talks about being a slave to Christ, and and all of those um, metaphors and word pictures can uh, can sometimes like when we think deeply about it, um, you know, our human minds can sometimes manipulate things or or confuse things. But the reality of what's happening there, the reality that God created us um, but then 
is going even deeper and adopting for himself sons and daughters to share in his glory, not because he needs to, but because of his mercy and his grace. And it is profound and it is, it is undeserved and it is, it is incredible. And um, so it's a good thing for us to just think on and, and grow in our understanding of, of what does it mean to actually be a child of God through Jesus. And I love that. You're giving me the, I got nothing to add to that. That's really Look, good stuff. That's no, good. I'm, if I say something, I'll just ruin it. Yes. All right. No, that's good. I, I, should... I, what I was, what I was actually thinking is, um, okay, I, wait a second. The question I that we've love... been getting. Wait, what? wait, 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 wait. You, I want you to say this, but I love the fact that you just, I cannot tell you how happy that makes me that you said, I, I, I don't want to add anything to that. I could just ruin, I would just ruin it. So what I was thinking was this. I no, it was about something else. Oh, I'm going to leave, okay. I put a tie in that. I'm leaving that oh, where it lay, where it lay. Yeah, that's because okay. that was, that was good. I don't want to ruin that one. So moving okay. on to something else, I just want to say, I love, I've been so encouraged by the questions that we've received. Yes. And I think I've said that both the last two weeks, but um, just the nature of the questions that we're getting. I love that. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, Paul says the, or, or I think it's uh, Luke actually, it says, you know, the Bereans were, were, uh, essentially better than everybody else, um, right? Because they actually heard what Paul said and then they examined the scriptures to see if it was yeah. true. And I love that the questions that we're getting are, well, based on what I see in scripture, what about this, right? Or, hey, you said this thing in the sermon, how does that relate to this other thing that I see in scripture? And I just, I love that those are the type of questions that we're getting. Um, if we want all of the questions, so don't feel like, uh, well, I'm not a, you know, I don't know the Bible that well. And so I don't know how to ask questions like that. That's fine too. We want those questions too. But uh, I've just been encouraged that, that the, the questions have been around, but what does, what does the Bible say about this? And how do you reconcile these things that seem like they're, um, they're, they're in conflict? Those are, those are awesome questions and just encourage, really encourages me about where our people are. Yeah. Which, you know, and that could be a whole other episode on the the Bereans and that whole what's entailed in that. But I think it, it the second side of that is also what's happening here, which is the reason why the Bereans are checking the scriptures is because what Paul is telling them is such gloriously good news that it's almost this, can this possibly be true? I need to check to see, is this too good to be true? Um, and so... I, that's what I love about this This going into the Lord's Prayer is that most of the questions have been about their relationship with God. Is this, is this true? Like, can this be true that this is actually how God sees us and views us? And it's often asked by people we know intellectually and we've grown up believing that or thinking that. But man, when you, when you just meditate on that, I mean, and when you we spend some time thinking about that and let God actually minister to you in that way where you, I mean, we will be learning for all eternity, what does it mean to actually be adopted and loved by God? Right. Right. We will never come to the end of our understanding of that. It just, it doesn't stop. And, and so it's just a lot of, it's just so beautiful to be able to do that here, to be, you know, wrestling with that. And so that's super encouraging for us to hear your questions, um, especially as it pertains to, to those things. So please keep them coming. Um, and make sure that you, we want to ask again, if you want to leave a review on, uh, the, the podcast on iTunes or whatever, that will make it easier for other people to find. Uh, you can also 
sign up for our email list, uh, the, our church family, sign up for our email list so you can make sure that you're not missing any of these ways that we're trying to stay connected with you or encourage you or help you along the way. Uh, we have a, we'll have another podcast on Thursday and, uh, uh, and then obviously worship this weekend. And I think that's all the things. That sounds like all the things. Sounds, Thanks for yeah. listening, everybody. Yeah.